this happens usually. I've, and I've had like adult students sort of say that to me, like, well, I came in and I just felt like really, you know, like I couldn't do this anymore, you know. And they leave and they go, okay, yeah, I feel like I can sort of do that now. So sometimes it's just kind of breaking down the material. Um, yeah. And that this has been sort of at, at the core of what I do. And that's, you got to break the nuggets down into really small. And I think most adults feel that they need to be able to do it all. And, and they take on, and they take on way too much. So looking at like, what are, what are their goals? And so I'm usually like the, you know, telescope or the, or the lens that kind of goes from the, like the wide angle down. You know, if you could just fix this one spot in this piece, you'd have a much easier time. Hi, I'm Manya, the host of Your Greatest Work podcast. This is a show for course creators and thought leaders who are creating a learning experience for their audience. I'm going to help you in this podcast by bringing on guest speakers and having great discussions with people from around the world on how to create really amazing learning experiences that get great results for learners. That's what we're here for, right, folks? Well, enjoy this next episode. So hi, Deborah. Thanks so much for joining today. I am really excited to talk to you and have you onto this podcast because I think that you bring a really unique perspective as a music teacher. And for those of you, obviously, who don't know Deborah, she was my music teacher since I was, what, eight, nine, ten? I don't even remember. Like a long that. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> a long time ago. And we have both, you know, kind of evolved in our relationship from teacher student to um, peers playing for things and in orchestral settings. And now, Deborah, you're teaching my daughter violin. So it's, this has been a really interesting kind of full circle relationship. And I think you're a fabulous teacher, and I'm really excited to have you here to share some of your expertise from your years of teaching a lot of different personalities, a lot of different age groups, and in various settings. So thanks for joining. I I think it's just going to be amazing for the audience to have you here. Yeah, well, thanks for the invite. I'm looking forward to this. Great. So, um, Deborah, could you just give, um, give us a little Coles Notes version of the kind of breadth of your teaching experience, um, some of the various settings that you've been teaching in. I think it'd be helpful to have yeah, that Yeah, sure. Well, um, yeah, I don't, I, I can't even think how many years it's been, honestly, since I've, since I've been teaching. Um, uh, uh, but I started in a classroom setting in, in visual arts. Um, uh, music goes back actually further than visual arts, but that was my background coming out of a uh, university fine arts program. And, um, and I spent about 10 years, uh, in the school system as, as a visual arts and English teacher. Um, so working in the classroom setting. Um, and it, it just, it, everybody reaches a point in life where it's just time for a change. And that was just, you know, my, basically my, my two year old was sort of indicating that it was time for me to, do something else um, uh, and stay at home more, please, mom, was kind of the, the message. So so music kind of resurfaced in that. And um, so I launched into some uh, uh, Suzuki pedagogy just because going back to teaching something else um, 
and, and picking up the violin and going, I, I don't even know how to do this. So I, I went to the Suzuki uh, people and it was, um, it was a real eye opener for me. It was just like, yeah, this is how I want to teach. Um, one of the things that was incredibly frustrating for me in, as a classroom teacher was just the, the sheer uh, amount of content that you had to get through. And, and um, so in, in working more on an individual level, it was just, it was going to be better for my stress level and better for the students, I felt. And so, so I started teaching um, using Suzuki methods just gave me kind of an idea of how to break things down. And then um, about seven or eight years ago, I guess, starting maybe 2014, um, I started looking at the El Sistema model because I was quite interested in the whole idea of um, sort of the social um, aspect of uh, music education and, and reaching a broader um, group of students. Right. And this is also students who can't always afford private one-on-one -on -one lessons, right? Yeah. Which is so important. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. And, and, and I knew that as a Suzuki teacher from very early on that it's like, wait a minute, this is great, but this is great for people who have like, let's say two parents, like trying to do a Suzuki model with a single parent is just, I don't know, incredibly difficult. Um, so, yeah, so so going to the El Sistema model where you're dealing with group lessons um, and I and I'd had group experience in, in the Suzuki model, but having to adapt that for uh, a completely different clientele uh, and no parent involved. And um, so uh, so that was that was kind of where I was for the last um, seven or eight years. Um, and, and that was also a great place to be. And then I've also had experience with adults. And my adults are now, I mean, now that I'm, uh, let's say, in my 60th year um, and and finding, I'm old enough to be Manya's mother. I always think it's so funny. It's like being a grand teacher, you know, to her daughter. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but my adult students are um, uh, a real treat for me because, um, we've developed a real sort of bond and, and they love their ensemble time and, um, and they're really different animal to work with than kids. It's really different teaching adults. So. Yeah. And I think what you're going to find with our audience is they are mostly teaching adults. And yeah. we talk a lot in blog posts and other podcast episodes about what does it mean to teach adults and how is that different? And so what do you find is, you know, the one or two major differences between teaching children and, and adult and, sorry, children and adults. And how do you have to kind of tweak your style work with adults? Yeah, um, uh, the, the fear factor is the biggest for adults. Um, adults are incredibly intimidated. Um, they, they bring a tremendous amount of um, motivation. But but within that, there's also a lot of um, yeah, just fear. Um, they're they're um, they have a lot of insecurity, and so and there's a lot of baggage. I think that you know over the course of time. So I've worked with adults who I you know I'm starting them from square one, and then I've worked with other adults who have a past, and and when and they you have mean a, a musical history, past, <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah but somebody has said to them at some point that they weren't good enough. And, and that really sticks, you know, yes. and that's, that's really, um, uh, yeah. And, and I've been there myself. I can honestly say the same as a musician. I, I've heard those same words, which is horrible. So it, it is. And it's very, you know, so right from the get go, you're dealing with people who, um, are, are wrestling with this idea of, um, I, they want to be better, but they don't really, um, um, they think that somehow it's, it's their fault, you know, or it's, it's up to them to, to make it all right. And so, yeah, so getting around that insecurity. And then on the other hand, uh, with, you know, with children, um, particularly the littlest ones, I mean, children are like, they're not very focused, you know, um, but, um, but, most children have no inhibition. They're just happy to do whatever, you know, um, and their fingers are like marshmallows and, you know, but, but their brains are like marshmallows too, you know, and, and adults don't have that going for them. They've got a lot of, you know, sort of preconceived ideas about what they should be doing. Um, and, and trying to get, um, I won't say like abandon that. But um, uh, trying to help them out of that pitfall, and it, a lot of it is is judgment. It's it's prejudgment, and it's the ego that kind of walks into the room with them, you know, and goes, "Oh, I can't do that." Um, uh, yeah. Whereas, I mean, children, their their ego is just forming. So, yeah, children are like, "Sure, you want to do that." let's do that, you know, so, and, and yeah, so children are just, yeah, they're, they're very malleable. So I, I love that you talked about fear factor being one of the biggest challenges with adults and in the corporate training world, or even just in new skills training in general for adults, one of the hardest things to create a culture of learning is around mindset and behavior change. And I'm going to be having some conversations with people in various industries like nutrition and body awareness and and fitness and and those industries because that's all mindset work (laughs) Mm -hmm. and in music there's a lot to be said about the mindset that somebody brings into the room so what kind of strategies or techniques tactics do you fall back on to try to help people overcome these hurdles um well partly because i'm working one-on-one with people um, it, it, it shifts the dynamic a little bit from, you know, being in a, in a class or in a group, but I do work with adults in groups as well. Um, I think trust is the biggest thing. You can't start if you don't have trust. And so how do you work out a trusting relationship with people? Um, small steps, you know, I think you have to be prepared to expose your own vulnerability. And that's why I usually give my adult students, you know, sort of my own past and that I've had to reinvent myself several times as a, as a musician and as a teacher. Um, you want to have a support network. Uh, and that's where being, you know, in a, in an ensemble situation, I, like adults really seem to like that, like just a small group it doesn't have to be big because otherwise you can get lost. But in a small group, if there's a, a, sort of a dynamic where, oh, I can talk to so-and-so about this because she's just 
you know, been doing this or, you know, such and such person will understand. There's tremendous support in that. And they are usually, you know, oh, yeah, wow, I just went through that, too. And so um, so having that support network, um, I think still having having this trust in themselves, that's still the hardest thing, because when they leave this room, like I want them, and, and this happens usually, I've, and I've had like adult students sort of say that to me, like, well, I came in and I just felt like really, you know, like I couldn't do this anymore, I'm, you know, and they leave and they go, okay, yeah, I feel like I can sort of do that now. So sometimes it's just kind of breaking down the material um, yeah. and that this has been sort of at, at the core of what I do. And that's, you know, from, from Suzuki teacher training, because if you're going to teach really little kids, you got to break the nuggets down into really small. And I think most adults feel that they need to be able to do it all. And, and they take on, and they take on way too much. So looking at like, what are, what are their goals? And so I'm usually like the, you know, the telescope or the, or the lens that kind of goes from the, like the wide angle down and, and just uh-huh. get in it. You know, if you could just fix this one spot in this piece, you'd have a much easier time. Or maybe there's a skill and we have to take it away from, you know, whatever they're working on. And, you know, it's like, I know you want to do this, but there's this skill that's missing that we need to work on. And so we just need to step aside from whatever it is that you're working on right now and, and look at that. My brain was just whirling there because I was pulling out some of the keywords that you were saying, like isolating a skill and taking it away from the thing that feels important to them. Like if they want to learn one of their favorite pieces and they're getting stuck on a skill, there's a lot of Dress on them to try to make that thing work in their favorite piece because their expectations are high. But if you can take that little technique and pull it out and play it on Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, yeah, because I know that's a technique often done with Suzuki, right? It keeps coming back to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star where the pressure is off. Yeah, the pressure is off and you're just isolating something really specific that can be a big hurdle. I also heard there that, um, you know, breaking things down into bite size because adults want to learn it all from the start. And one of my core focuses this year is on helping people figure out a way to make things more finishable. So to help people yep. get through kind of to the finish line, whether that's the end of a course or the end of a goal. And that's something that you do well is breaking things down into really small nuggets so that it's easier to finish. Yeah. Well, I think it's the, the difficulty is it, it's like, Sometimes when you have a goal, you know, as you said, like, like your favorite song that you want to learn to play and you have this goal and it's, but we have to be realistic about setting our goals. And sometimes, and, and this is the problem with, um, I mean, I've done online courses as well. And I just look at the content and I go, okay, I'm not, I just don't have the time to be able to do this and this and this unit. Like there's no way. So then it's like, well, then we need to sit down and modify what our expectations are. And that's something like the whole adaptability thing. Um, and, and I had to do this in the classroom all the time, constantly. I had these great ideas about what the Ministry of Education wanted to, you know, our children to know about, you know, this and that. And it's like, yeah, 
but let's look at who's in front of me. And this is not happening with this group. So <laughs> let's change the expectations. And it's that adaptability of music teachers, anybody in the arts, really, like creative people, it's like that's part of, you know, creative design is, is able to be adaptable, somewhat malleable, you know, it's like, so it's not that I, I'm kind of saying fix. I don't like to say fix as a, as a thing, but, um, but sometimes we have to look at adapting and, and look at this as a skill set that the person has or that this is where they're at mentally mm-hmm. because they're coming in with like, and this is also, so this is listening. Listening is another like huge skill. Um, that you want to listen to people before they ever start. Um, that's kind of, I mean, in, in the education biz, you know, they talk about the pre-test and the post-test and, and, um, and, and yeah, you can, you can totally apply that to, you know, like before you take the course, you know, and then, and then afterwards or before you even sign up with the teacher. I mean, I usually yeah. have an interview. I have an interview with parents, particularly people that bring me their three-year-old. And I go, oh, we want to start violin. And I go, well, let's sit down and talk and let's meet the child. And sometimes, you know, if, if I decide that the child is just not ready, then let's not do that. I think that's really interesting, Deborah, and something that course creators could be doing a lot more with their online courses. Just ethically, you know, obviously online course creators want to sell as much as they can, but you end up having these really low completion rates. You have tons of people buying and 15% of people actually get through your course. And that's not good for a lot of reasons because yeah. it's not great for your referrals, not great for yeah. word of mouth. Um, but having some kind of like realistic setup before you even start to say, okay, here's actually the expectations of this course. This is what you're getting into. Is this the right time for you? Maybe you want to try just the first module and stretch your time out, you know, like yeah. there's ways of building this into, um, into learning to make sure that people stick with it because yeah. Like, so how else do you encourage people to stick with their learning? Cause there's always points in time. I know this as my experience here where people go, it's just too much. I I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how do you, how do you kind of help people overcome that? And I wonder if we could think about how that could maybe be incorporated into other ways of learning. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, yeah, motivation is a big thing. And, you know, and certainly when we sign up for something, it's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And it's all, yeah. you know, and then and then it kind of you get on the downward spiral and, and other life catches up with you and other things. Um, so. We have to create um, a, a continuum of progress, and that's that's not my term, but that's from I, I don't know some seminar somewhere that I've been in, or you know, like listening to some speaker, and and it just really resonated. The continuum of progress is the idea that once you get a little bit of success, it's like, oh, I I can do that now. Now we're going to do this. And so it's like, you know, either you think of it as a wheel or like stairs, you know, and I'm, oh, now I'm ready for the next, you know, thing. Um, And that builds in, I mean, for like in children, it's intrinsic motivation just to get, you know, so the parent can stop nagging them to practice. Yeah. (laughs) The child goes, 
the child goes, I want to play this song now. And it's like, okay, there, you're, you're there, you're on the wheel. Um, so, so have, so how do we create that continuum of practice? So I think we have to have, um, first of all, we have to have accountability to what we're doing. That's, and that's a biggie. And, you know, I can have that conversation with, you know, people who are 65 and I can have that conversation with parents of 12 year olds, you know, who are going, my kid is driving me crazy. So how do we, how can we make students accountable? Well, there are a lot of great things now, particularly with, you know, all the technology that we have available. Um, that goes beyond what, you know, like I used to create, like, like I'll, uh, yeah, I'll sticker charts or <laughs> sticker charts for kids who were six years old. Yeah. Okay. But for people who have the technology to say, and I've done this with teenagers, especially because they're in charge of their learning now, parents gone, step aside. It's like, okay, you do whatever, you know? Um, and, um, so we have this ability to like make video or just make audio. Like, just record this on your phone, on a voice memo. It doesn't have to be, you know, the greatest, like, the, the technology, is. it can be simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's just like, just prove to me that you did it, kind of thing. Yeah. So if I'm going to give you this assignment on, you know, a, a certain passage in a piece, all right, then send it back to me and, yeah. you know, say you say you played it. And then, hey, I'll give you some feedback and we start a conversation, you know, about, and that can happen between lessons. That's, that's certainly, um, but that's, it's tricky in, it can be tricky with an adult environment, uh, cause there are a lot of adults who are extremely technophobic. Mm-hmm. And that's where things that's start true. to fall down a little bit, at least in my experience with online teaching. Um, because the adult doesn't know what button to turn on. Or, or how to, you know, so you really have to work with where they're at. Um, and that's, it's easier to do that as a, as a one-on-one teacher mm-hmm. than it is in, you know, when you're trying to deliver a whole course, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But understanding where the person is at and, and trying to get them on that continuum of progress. And then, as I said, like adapting, you know, so, and always like doing less, really. Like doing, doing less, less is so big. And I, I just, you know, I've written a bit about this, but there's this really great author, John Acuff, and he talks about how you can help people finish. And one of the things he says is always half the goal. Just cut the goal right in half immediately, because yep. usually you're trying to bite off more than you can chew. And as soon as it's not perfect, perfect, you know, as soon as perfectionism gets involved, uh, you know, you tend to just bail and try to ease that tension. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I love that halving the goal, but you do a good job of that continuum of progress. I notice that even, especially now with my six-year-old who's taking lessons because it's small bits each week, but it really adds up. So how do you help people go back and reflect and actually realize and celebrate the progress they've made? Do you have any mechanisms set up? for that reflection or that recognition of how far they've come? That's a good point. Um, it's one of those, you know, like, hmm, take your before and after pictures, you yeah. know, in your, in your weight loss program or whatever. Yeah, recordings are really valuable. And, and I encourage people to do this, you know, just even like on your phone, 
Um, I had a parent bring in the other day, like her, her video of her kid playing all the way through an entire twinkle variation. And that for that child, that was, that was monumental, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just, it's cause it's had to be very, you know, small steps. Um, so monitoring that on the way through, if possible with video, and you have to encourage people to do this, you know, in the privacy of their own space. Um, uh, and like I certainly did this with, I was doing an online course last fall and, um, uh, I did not want to post stuff on Facebook. That is like just the worst thing for, for people who are already intimidated and afraid to actually have to post something on Facebook in front of the, you know, the world, regardless of whether it's a group that's, you know, a support group or mm. not. It's just the scariest thing. Yeah. But I kept my videos and just to go back. And it was just, it was about improvisation, you know, so yeah. it's just, just like, I could just throw this away if I wanted to. Um, but it's interesting to go back and, um, and here, you know, six months later, it's like, oh, yeah, actually, that was kind of creative, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's so cool. Do you ever do that with, with your writing? Um, I often will do that with writing, you know, if I have an idea and I jot it down and then I come back later and go, who wrote that? <laughs> you know, well, like, we can be so hard on ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I really encourage people to keep their practice notes, like their, like their journal, which is basically like, me writing the lesson assignments for the week, you know, um, but it's kind of a way of going back. Oh, okay. So if we went back to where you were in, you know, September, uh, and, and now we're here. Okay. And, and you know, that it, that needs some reflection, um, from them. It's kind of, it's also evidence based. Like you need hmm. some evidence to say that you, did this or, you know, or didn't do this. So how do you create evidence? Well, you write it down or video or audio, but have some kind of, you have to document it somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, but you have to, again, you have to gauge within the, the person how they feel about, um, you know, like how they sound. Um, because yeah, cause some people, I mean, they would just dissolve in a puddle if I, you know, ask them to share a video. They just don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about this um, online move? I mean, like music teaching has mm. typically or traditionally been in person. You can be there to kind of help physically manipulate a person's hands or their posture and all these. Did you start any new students as you switched to online in 2020, because you did that really quickly. Um, that was something that you adjusted super fast, despite you yeah. know, maybe technology um, fear, but you just got right in there, got people onto Zoom. And I think that's awesome. So obviously, there's a ton of hurdles that are probably super obvious. But were there any surprises as you switched to online learning, good or bad? Yeah, well, uh, it, it hasn't been the easiest adjustment um and uh, I, I perhaps if i had had to do more group teaching online it would be different um the only sort of 
group assignments that I've given are, it's like asynchronous learning, you know, so they make a video and then they watch the video and, you know, but you have no, there's no accountability there. There's no connection. Um, um, I, th- just a lot of technical limitations with Zoom and, and just, um, to me, because online is a, it's very two dimensional, right? Um, and on, unfortunately with a lot of people in the area where we live, it, uh, it's a problem of internet connection. Mm. Um, and, and that was a huge downer for me really, um, was just that some people were going to bail because they're in, they knew that their internet connection you know, was not going to um, stand up to uh, continuing with lessons. Um, that being said, I think um, particularly the course that I did in the fall, which was sort of about improvising, but one of the most successful um, uh, online educators that I've found in the music world is Christian House. And just it, it, it's mind-blowing. I mean, He's, um, he runs a, a, a thing called Creative Strength Academy. And, uh, and he's a guy who travels internationally doing workshops for normally for, you know, students, uh, um, students, adults, teachers, um, lots mm-hmm. of stuff on improvisation goes into the schools. And so when teachers were thrust online, uh, he jumped right in and he started making a video every day just in his basement with his phone. I mean, nothing spectacular, you know, just so it's the idea of work with what you've got, that you don't need all the high tech, you know, fancy bells and whistles. Don't be intimidated by that. Just go and make a video. And so he, uh, because he's just with his own basic equipment, um, he started making videos and uh, a lot of school teachers responded because what he was doing was saying, well, get your kid to pause this video, go and get a recording device. And he even says this right on the video. Now, go and get a recording device, press play, and when you're ready, then we'll do this together. And it'll be, you know, and we'll work together. He's still doing this all on YouTube, by the way. This mm-hmm. is all like a YouTube thing. But getting people to interact, and it's very non-threatening because he can't hear you yeah. if he's on YouTube. So it's like you can play along and you can do whatever you want. So that's great for, you know, like getting, like banishing some of that inhibition and just getting kids to play or just like people to play because that's yeah. the other thing is like it was really easy to just shut down and say, okay, Easy well, to just sit on the couch and bail yeah, on all your responsibilities. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So, so that was a huge part of, you know, why I took his course in, you know, in the fall was kind of to press my own reset button. But also to go like, dude, how like this is this is so amazing. And I mean, you could you could really go at your own pace through his content, which was pretty vast. Um, but you had to uh, set up your lesson with him every week and have that conversation like live. Yeah. So I think there was and, accountability I mean, still, set in yeah, there. It's still an accountability thing. Like you still have to check in and, and, you know, and what are your pain points? And I will address those, you know? Um, and he was like, and a wonderful listener also just say, okay, this is what I'm hearing from you. And he could really quickly, you know, pinpoint, all right, because I'm going to do this in 30 minutes. 
So, you know, and I don't know how many Zoom calls he does a day. It's mind boggling. But, um, but he was really good at, um, even on his Zoom calls and he could have like 50 people all on Zoom doing like playing violin, all muted, but still engaged because he was playing all the time. So play this, play this, my turn, your turn, or having, it's like having a dialogue. Um, and, and changing it up, you know, so that we weren't going to, like, we're not going to stay, like, playing the same, you know, uh, background, you know, all the time. Okay, now we're going to try this or, you know, so he would really mix it up. And he also knew he had a, a vast, uh, set of levels, a skill level in front of him. So he was constantly adapting, like, right there on the screen. Okay, so, you know, if you're not advanced, you can do it this way. And, you know, if you're more advanced, try this. And, yeah, so that's interesting because it's true when you're in that group setting, it's hard to get skill practice happen. Um, but there are ways, you know, of making that work. Accountability is important and also trying to modify or help with that differentiated way of teaching when you have beginner and more advanced. Because yeah. that can be a, a real hurdle for learners uh, if they buy a course. And they know they need certain things in the course, but some of it's over their head or they're not there yet. And then they feel like, oh, well, I'm nowhere near that. And, and these are all reasons why people quit. Yeah. So offering the high, low version as you go along in exercises or even learning paths can be helpful. Well, there's so much good and gold in, in this conversation that we've had. Um, I think it's been really interesting to see how we can take things from the one-on-one -on -one teacher model and and use that in a setting where we're maybe teaching a, a, a group or switching to online. I think there's there's a lot that you said that can be borrowed. And one of the things that stands out a lot for me is the continuum of progress. I know you said that's not your term, but we're making your term right now. <laughs> Um, because, yeah, if you can show people that no no matter where they're starting, it's not a bad thing. You're just kind of hopping onto this wheel and let's just see what kind of progress you can make and, and helping build in that reflection. Success can be really success. Yeah, it can be really encouraging for people. And yeah. um, you know, there's good books that come to mind. But, yeah, thank you. Is there anything you want to add um, before we before we finish off? Well, I don't know. Yeah, no, we've been, you know, around, around mm -hmm. the, uh, the gamut. And, um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm by no means, you know, I'm still, I guess, the, the old school, you know, come in the room, you know, and, and let's do stuff. But I, but I really think that, um, the, the pandemic has forced people to start thinking outside the box. And um, I think there's some incredible things that are that are going on um, if if people are prepared to like be open to you know changing past models. Um, yeah, and um, for sure. And I I've seen a lot of progress this year with with the kids um, with their online with their online learning. I think they've with their music teachers, they've made a lot of progress. You know, it helps, I think, that I'm a music teacher in the room. So I can spot some of the things that 
can be adjusted during practice. You know, some of the more physical things, like how they're holding their hand or their thing, that can be hard to see on a Zoom call. But yeah, as a parent yeah. in the room, um, I think just having some additional resources can really help to coach at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, okay. Well, thanks so much. It's been a great conversation and I'm excited for the audience to hear this. Good. Good. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for um thanks for inviting me and um yeah, I I look forward to, you know, what your your next project brings. It's uh it's <laughs> wonderful. Great. Okay, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were able to pull something really useful out of this episode. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please contact us if you'd like to learn more about anything that we've discussed or if you need help creating your next learning experience. We've got lots of great ways to work together and I would love to have a conversation to see if it might be the right fit. Also, consider leaving us a review and definitely subscribe so you don't miss out on any interesting topics that could really help you in your journey.